You are listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Welcome to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5 Rollins College. I'm your host, Clara Mount. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College and Victor Media Group. You can check out Victor Media Group and its growing library of shows and podcasts at victormediagroup.co. This season of the Crummer Hour is dedicated to examining service as we meet with Rollins and Crummer alumni who are serving the Crummer community as well as the community at large. Today's guest is Alex Manrique, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Universal Parks and Resorts, and currently serving as president on the alumni board of the Crummer Graduate School of Business. And I'm here with our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37, Papa Koji, current student in EA MBA 39, and as always, I'm your host, Clara Mount, MBA 2020. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Clara. Thanks for having us. Clara, thank you so much. So excited to have you here. So in a moment, we're going to listen to that Crummer Connections interview with Alex that was broadcast this past November. But before we do that, I always like to ask the panel um, to share some of your thoughts about that interview, uh, takeaways or something that people should listen to. So Kyle, you're up first. What do you think listeners should check out in that interview? Yeah, this is this is a really great one. I, I really liked Alex's comment that we're all part of a global society. Um, I think that's very important for people to be mindful of. Love that. How about you, Papa? I think definitely Alex's message about leaders creating a space where people feel like they belong is very important in today's business environment. Definitely. I think that's huge. Um, For my own part, I also loved what she had to say about when you have a seat at the table versus when you have to bring your own seat and what that can mean as a minority. Um, So definitely listen to that. So in the second half of the show, we're going to have Alex on the air with us to discuss more about her views on service, her Crummer experience, as well as her career. So please stay tuned for that. Uh, But first, like I said, we're going to check out that Crummer Connections interview. The first segment of Crummer Connections is called Service is Personal, and it lets us understand our guests' personal motivations for leading and serving. So the next thing you're going to hear will be host J.B. Adams welcoming our guest. Let's get started. Alex Manrique, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Alex, we are going to start right out of the gate by asking about your philosophy of service. What do you think it takes to serve others effectively? Where does your philosophy come from? I think serving others is really connecting with them and really finding out what is that speaks to them, what their needs are, because you could try to serve, but if you focus on what you believe service is, that might not really match to what really people need. So maybe getting to know people, connecting with them, finding out what their needs are. I think that that is a better way to serve, maybe a more efficient way to serve. And is this a philosophy that comes naturally to you? Is it something that you came upon or something that evolved over time? What motivates you to do it? I think it has evolved over time. You always want to think that you've always been this wonderful person wanting to serve. But I think that, no, I think it's age. I think it's having children, uh, seeing that the world needs a lot of service, of connections, of coming together, of helping others. Um, I think that that really has impacted uh, my adulthood and made it a more important part of 
my life. It has always been a part, but I think that now it takes precedence. I, I want to really dig in. I'm going to dig a little deeper on what you just said right there. There's something that motivates you to do this. And you said caring about your children, in other words, caring about future generations mm -hmm. of people on this planet. What would happen if there was not enough service to go around? What What is the risk if we don't get involved in service? I think the risk is would be a negative impact to the future generation. So I always want, and you all absolutely all want to always role model. So I think that instead of, yes, you want to teach your children and 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 younger generations to do it because it's important. You give me the give them the reasons, but I believe that if you show them by example and role model, I think that's a more organic and authentic way to do it because we're in this together, right? That whole phrase that we experienced last year with coronavirus and the pandemic, we're in this together. I think we're in this together in many ways in life, right? In terms of global warming, this pandemic, society, mm -hmm. poverty, many, many social issues. And I think that if we take that mindset of we're in this together, it takes a different spin where we all feel like we belong, we have a responsibility, we have a part, and we have an opportunity to help. A little bit of kind of belonging and also accountability, um, I think helps in the long run. Excellent. Earlier, you mentioned that this is personal for you because you want to set a good example for your children. Tell me more about that. How, how do you connect service with setting a good example, not just you know for society at large, that's your contribution, you're giving back, but molding and shaping the lives of two people that live in your household? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, a big part for me. I have two daughters and it's always been so important to make sure that I'm positively role modeling for them and I think with a Crummer board and all of the events and the sessions or the opportunities that that I'm able to participate in, I've always kind of leveraged that to involve my children whenever it's appropriate to make sure that they're seeing that their mother has a place in the professional world and the business world, the importance of networking, the importance of relationships, and really showing them that women, of course, are a vital part of the workplace of society and that they too of course will have a, a spot and a place when they are older whatever they choose that is to feel like they're important contributors to society and to the workplace i don't know what they're going to want to be when they grow up but i do want to show them that women do have a, a place and that there's positions of leadership where women's voices are valued and are very important and so there's a lot of Crummer sessions, Crummer events, where if it's open to family, I try to always bring my my daughters to make sure that they're seeing that firsthand. Uh, I have a provocative question for you. Is it an opportunity or a responsibility or both? To show them, to kind of model that? I'm just intrigued by, yes, you have the chance to do it, but some people won't take that chance. Mm -hmm. I'm saying... It's a responsibility. I, I just want to get your reaction to that. Yeah, it is absolutely a responsibility. When when you have the opportunity, you have the responsibility to take that seat at the table, right? Mm -hmm. 
But if it's not given to you, then you have to work hard to make sure that you find that seat at the table, that you push in other seats, right? If there's not one there, they're all filled, we'll push your, your own seat, right? As we've, we've seen that on different quotes and social media, bring your own seat to the table. I think it's important to make sure that you feel that it doesn't have to be given to you. There's an opportunity to, through your voice and your experience, show others that your insights and your perspectives are important. They're an important part of the dialogue. So. Yes, it is. You're right. Excellent. We're going to move on to our next topic, which is your backstory. And this gives us a chance to get to know you and to understand your early business influences. So I'm going to start with just some short answers. Uh, tell us where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia, in South America, and did all of school and of the first year of college in Bogota. So I was born and raised and only came here to go to college. When I was 19 years old. About 19, okay. What were your parents' occupations? Uh, my father was an architect, and my mother was um, a senior leader in a multinational company that did exports and imports. Did you have early career aspirations? I think my mother was a, such a great example and role model. I saw how she was able to kind of keep that balance in her life where she was a great mother and she was an amazing professional. It's just so great to see her. She worked with Japanese companies, with Spanish companies, British. So she used to travel a lot to Europe and she was just able to share that knowledge of business, make sure that she did it also with a lot of kindness mm -hmm. and humility. She would connect and work with just people all over the world. My mother has taught me so many valuable lessons. The one thing that she always used to say is treat everyone with kindness, regardless of who they are. You never know the way that the world changes and things change and being kind to people will always pay off. Mm -hmm. When you grow up in a South American country like Colombia and specifically Bogota, which is a big city, a metropolitan city, but it's not very diverse. You have a lot of diversity around the country, but not specifically in the city. Mm. And so, yes, I saw some diversity because I grew up going to an American school. So we had a lot of ambassador kids, expat kids, and there was a little bit of exposure to that, but not as much as when I moved here. Then I truly felt what diversity was, and I actually realized what being a minority was, which is something I had never experienced before. And this, I'm assuming, begins to inform your perceptions of diversity, equity, and inclusion, even before maybe they were labeled. Yeah, as an, as an international student, I found a great group of other international students to become kind of that college family. And I learned a lot from them, from all of them. I had friends from all over the world, from the United States as well. And I think that gave me a more of a global exposure to the way that people think, the way that I was able to be received always felt very, very positive. I don't know, it's because I spoke the language, so I did speak English. I was very fortunate to learn English growing up. So the language was not a barrier, thankfully. You know, I've lived half of my life in Colombia and then half of my life in this country. And so I still kind of have those two sides of me where it feels like um, sometimes I feel 
very American and sometimes I feel very Colombian. It's like I am Colombian by birth, but I'm North American by choice. I, mm. you know, I went through the entire process of a green card and a residence and a citizenship. And so I do not take for granted the privilege of being a citizen. It's, I'm so proud of that. I am, I feel blessed that I was able to go through that very long process and be able to call myself an American. I'm proud of my dual citizenship of being South American, Colombian and being North American from the US. That's That to me is amazing. It is a dream come true. I grew up coming here on summer vacations. We had some family who lived here. So I was always very connected, but to be able to now work with a theme park where I grew up coming and visiting as a tourist and now being able to be a part of that company and live here and have my children be born and raised, and this is all that they know, I think it's amazing. That's why I think it's important in the future, I'll continue to expose them to other cultures and travel so that they know that the world is not just what they what they know and they grew up in. Very important messages, uh, particularly for young people to see, you know, where they fit into this world. Our guest is Alex Manrique, and we'll be back in just a moment to learn more about her career journey and the lessons she pulled out of it. Stay with us. As a member of the Crummer community, you know that it's the people you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I want to tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide. And it's available right now. Please go to rollinsconnect.rollins.edu, check it out, and if you need someone to connect to, connect to me, J.B. Adams. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Crummer Connections. I'm JB Adams, and our guest is Alex Manrique, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Universal Parks and Resorts, and currently serving as the president of the Alumni Board at the Crummer School. All right, before the break, we were chatting about your early business influences, and now we'd like to learn more about your professional journey. Um, you've made a career in diversity, equity, and inclusion, but you didn't start there. So what I want to understand is how did you find your way to this? What was the turning point that really got you there and had you say, wow, this is where I belong. This is where I fit. Mm -hmm. So the start of my career was more around uh, public relations and advertising. And I felt that that was a good path for me. It um, felt very organic. But once I started the Crummer program, I had a professor, Dr. Bob Prescott, which mm -hmm. hopefully a lot of you know. Everybody knows Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob is amazing. And he, as you know, he speaks Spanish and he's lived and worked in different countries in Latin America. And he always used to say like, senorita, so now what are you going to do? I'm like, what do you mean? What I'm going to, what am I going to do? Well, you're about to graduate. What are you going to do next? And I said, well, I think I'm on a good track and a good path. I worked with a company for eight years and I had a, a good career with them. But then he said, well, you need to look at your next step or your next chapter. And he connected me with a couple of leaders in the community. I remember meeting with some amazing people who had just great careers, great advice. And through those connections, I was able to meet someone uh, for an informational interview. And I was then tapped for the role for diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, almost 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I did not even know what diversity, equity and inclusion was. And yeah. looking back, it was just an, an amazing journey 
where you are really hoping that as an organization, you're positively impacting that human experience for your for your team members, for your employees. And to know that you are part of an organization that values that, that invests in a team to make sure that you're focusing on that, making sure that you are cultivating those initiatives and programming so that everyone feels welcome and like they belong. I think it's just amazing. Uh, I speak with human resource professionals and just professionals and leaders in general about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I have many colleagues that work in it. I'm just curious, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the people in your profession right now? I think that it's, it's a challenge and an opportunity. And it was this last year where we experienced this kind of, um, I know my leader always calls it the great awakening. And she's so right. It's a moment in time in history that we all experienced as as humanity, where we had amidst a pandemic, so many losses of life. It made us stop and think, what is happening? And what are we doing as humanity? And even in the corporate space, we are looking at DEI in a different way, where we're really connecting, having those real conversations, making sure that everyone feels like they have a voice and having the the deeper, raw connections, of course, in a professional manner, but making sure that we're looking at different aspects in the processes, debiasing the processes. Exactly. Um, to make sure that everyone has a, a place and giving a fair and equitable opportunity in, in every step of the way, from the time you're a candidate to the time that you're promoted and continue to grow your career within an, an organization. All right, Alex, I am processing what you just said, and I wanna say that I believe that everyone, no matter where they go or what they're doing, they are looking for the opportunity to find that sense of belonging. And I don't know why we didn't say this sooner. What is your reaction to that? Absolutely. It's like you took the words out of my mouth. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Not nice. Because we've always said, yes, it's, you know, diversity is a state of being. Inclusion is what you do with it. The equity piece, making sure that everyone has the same opportunities, tools, resources, exposure. But at the end of the day, what every human being wants to feel is like they belong. That is, it's a basic need for all of us, right? We all want to feel liked. We all want to feel like we're a part. We all want to feel like we belong and that we matter, that our ideas matter, that our perspectives matter, that our thoughts, our experience. And that's important in a personal setting and extremely important in a corporate professional setting. Because the more you leverage all of those different insights, the better your product or your service will be. Just because you have all of those ideas coming together and creating something that will resonate and speak to more people. And knowing that we are in a global economy, a global world, you're going to have guests or customers from all over the world. And you're going to be able to touch and really resonate with more. All right. I have another provocative statement for you to react to. It's, (laughs) It's this. I know this is not true at Universal because I also know a lot of people working at Universal and I think they are very effective and genuine about their diversity, equity, and inclusion. That said, I know there are other places where this is just my perception. The leaders at the top say 
diversity, equity, and inclusion is so important, but when you look at their actions, it feels like they're delegating it to somebody else. Like, go take care of this thing that I said was important, but they may not be bringing it to life. So I'm just curious, do you know other people in the profession where that's what they are encountering and, and how would we overcome that? You know, JB, my reaction to that is that people can see what the intent is of others, of organizations. If there is a diversity, equity, inclusion program, it will definitely touch and impact the employees. Mm -hmm. And the employees, of course, will let you know if you're doing it right or not. And as we know, people, not even ex current employees, but even candidates, people who are thinking about, do I want to be a part of this organization? Will, and especially the younger generations will look at, okay, is this organization one that values diverse perspectives? Is this organization one that supports the multicultural communities? Uh, are they walking the walk, right? Exactly. So it's, you, you actually can have many plans in place but if you are really executing and delivering on that with good intent, that when it really shows and people notice. So differentiating, taking what you just said there, talk versus action. What advice would you give to leaders right now to create that sense of belonging and to really execute on diversity, equity, and inclusion? I think the first step is always listening, listening to what people need and want people will tell you if you ask people will tell you what is important to them and making sure that you take all of those opinions and ideas into account you are going to be serving them i think this ties perfectly to the beginning of our conversation when you're serving people you need to make sure that you're serving their needs and those needs are different for everyone but making sure that you are serving the needs of your employees of your uh, company and making sure that you're aligning with your company values. And all of that really in the end is it's not only the right thing to do, it makes good business sense. You're gonna retain your employees, you're gonna keep them engaged, you're gonna be valued and seen as an employer of choice in the community. So it's just, it's a smart thing to do for any company. And it's the long-term sustainable thing to do as well. Mm -hmm. um, I hope you and I can get out there and reinforce people who already see this. And if, if and when it's necessary, perhaps we change some minds as well, because it is just so important to do. Um, last two questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. If there's somebody who's listening to this conversation and they tuned in because of your work, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking at this as a career choice? What are some resources that uh, they should look into? Well, I know that there's a lot more in terms of academic courses um, currently in different organizations and institutions versus when I was in school. Crummer offers some diversity specific courses and classes. Mm -hmm. I would really look into education and that's always important. There's certifications out there. There's a lot of webinars and courses, even on LinkedIn, there's a lot that you can explore it or Google. You could just Google or YouTube. There are so many resources, many books. There are some amazing books in the last year. There's a couple that I was able to read through some programming and events that were hosted by our parent company on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I would recommend Ajoma Oluo 
So you want to talk about race or Dr. Ibram X. Candy with um, anti-racism and the book with Karen Catlin on allyship. But there's many. There are many books if you want to learn more about other people and their insights and how they feel about this world around us and how we can better understand each other. I think we all have to keep in mind that we're all diverse human beings. We're all different and we're unique. And we all have unconscious bias. So that's something that's so important. I keep just reminding others, we all have our own thoughts, our own biases, and it's a normal process. The brain actually protects itself. It's kind of a self-defense mechanism. We have so many stimulus in our brain coming to us like a thousand every second. It's like a crazy number. So what the brain does is it kind of catalogs or buckets things in the world around us to make sure that it's able to protect itself and continue functioning. And it does that with objects and it does that with people. And so that's the reason that we have unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. What we really need to keep in mind is to understand those, to manage them, to make sure that we're learning from others and making sure that those biases do not affect the way that we interact with others. And I think that the more we expose ourselves and the more we connect with people, the more we talk to each other and learn from each other, we find out that we have more similarities versus differences. We're really more alike. If you kind of peel that onion, I like to always compare human beings to onions. You peel those layers and you find that you have so many similarities as human beings, right? We, we've touched on people want to feel like they belong. There's just so many basic human needs and experiences that when you start sharing with others, you're like, huh, you know, we have all of this in common. Yeah. And, and we have to find it. it. It takes a little work, but we have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's being courageous too, because people always, and I've, I've heard this through the years and a lot lately, you know, people ask me, Alex, what if I say the wrong thing? And I just say, just ask. I'm, I'm pretty sure if people know that you have good intent and you want to learn from others, just ask through through this past year and a half that was so tough for many of our communities, especially our Black, African-American, Caribbean community. A lot of folks that I know would say, well, I want to reach out to my colleagues or my friends and ask how they're doing. And I don't know what to say. I don't know if I'm going to say the wrong thing. What if I disrespect them in some way. And I always used to say, just ask, have the conversation. People know when you're coming with good intent to try and connect and, and they will open up and they will correct you if you say something that's wrong. And also we don't need to put the responsibility on others to educate us all the time. Right. That is why I was, you know, I'm a big proponent of research, read, try to find out the information so that you feel well equipped to connect with others versus putting that all on them. It's not people's responsibility to teach you. They will correct you, but I think it's important for us to go out and do some research as well. So important. Uh, everything that you're saying is just, it's timely and important for us to act on. Uh, Alex, we are about to wrap up our time together. Is there a message that you would like to give to the Crummer community? What would you like to say? I want to thank everyone for 
being a part of this community and shameless plug would love for everyone to connect with the alumni board. Once you're an alum, you're part of that Crummer family forever. So if you are thinking about, should I attend a, an event? Should I attend session? By all means do. We have so many ways and channels and platforms to do that via LinkedIn, via Facebook, email, just reach out to another fellow Crummer alum and connect and then connect back with us, with the board, with the staff. We want to see you back. We want to see how you're doing. We want to make sure that you're doing well. And if there is anything else that we can do to continue to support that journey that you're on, whatever that is, absolutely. By all means, connect back with us. I, I, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, the show is called Crummer Connections for a reason, and you just spelled it out. Alex Manrique, thank you for joining us on Crummer Connections and sharing your story. It was a great pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much, JB. Thanks, thank everyone. You. This is Clara Mount. Please stay tuned for the second half of the Crummer Hour. When we come back, we'll meet with Alex Manrique to get her responses to questions from our panel made up of Crummer students and alumni. You're listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Hi, I'm Guy Fagan, an Early Advantage MBA student at the Cromer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. My time during undergrad at Rollins College was incredible. I took every opportunity to get involved on campus. I joined the Tau Cap Absalom fraternity and I was also a member of the varsity men's tennis team. Cromer has an amazing reputation in the area, so it was a no-brainer. For more information on the Cromer Early Advantage MBA program, visit cromer.rollins.edu. In today's Crummer Hour, we're talking with Alex Manrique, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Universal Parks and Resorts, and currently serving as President on the Alumni Board of the Crummer Graduate School of Business. In the first half of the show, we heard Alex share her early career experiences and discuss her approach to service through fostering relationships and embracing the differences of others. Now, in the second half of the show, we have her here with us live in the VMG Zoom studio to have her respond to questions from our panel of Crummer students. So, Alex, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Clara, Kyle, Papa. I am so excited to be here today to continue the dialogue. I am so excited to have you back and definitely to learn more about your career and some of the insights you have to share with us. So with us, we also have our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37. Hey, Clara. Hey, Alex. Happy to be here. Papa Koji, current student in EA MBA 39. Hello, everybody. Always great to be here. And as always, I'm your host, Clara Mount, MBA 2020. All right, so we're just gonna kick things off with a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So our first question comes from Papa. Yeah, so this podcast was absolutely amazing. Um, and so I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about something you mentioned. So you mentioned that there is more work to be done within the DEI space. So what kind of practices can upcoming graduates, summer graduates, or really, really anybody do to make a difference at their own work? I'm so happy that we're touching on this, Papa, because I think that the DI work is never done, will never be done. Mm -hmm. 
But this is a positive thing because we're all looking to constantly continue to improve. And, and that's, you know, human nature. Change is the only constant, as we know. But really coming together to continue to learn from each other, I think it's very important, right? We are, I learn every day. Actually, last week I took um, a gender course on gender identity and pronouns, and I learned so much during that training. So I just think that we all can continue to be open-minded, right? With open minds and open hearts, really um, being open to learn from others and then to open our brains and our minds and our hearts to learn so that we can better understand others and in hopes that others can better understand us as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that uh, emphasis on a learner's mindset. I really think that it takes a lot of humility sometimes, right? Uh, mm -hmm. to, to know that there's still <laughs> work to be done, but I love that note. Yeah, and it's so cliche, but it is so true that the more you learn, the more you know that you don't know. And so as, as soon as you start digging deep in any subject, you're like, wow, there's so much more to learn. And I think that happens with DEI as well and human beings, of course. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm curious, just kind of as a follow-up, are there specific things that individuals can do to get involved in DEI efforts um, within their organizations? Absolutely. And the, you know, the college, the academic setting and the corporate setting, and even in your personal setting, try to reach out and become a part of a group. There are employee resource groups in companies and organizations. There are councils or student groups in different colleges and universities and even schools. That's a really way, a great way to engage and learn from others, to be exposed, to find out about their others, others' perspectives. I think it's where you find your passion, uh, you really uh, feel like naturally or organically inclined to spend your time. But the more that you expose yourself to others and other ideas, you'll find that, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast, as soon as you start talking with somebody, then you realize, oh, this person is not as different as, as I thought mm -hmm. that he or she or they were. Um, we have more similarities at differences but it all, it just takes a conversation. All you need is to try and communicate and have some dialogue. And then I think you'll come to that realization. We always have something in common. <laughs> I love that. I definitely have found that to be true when I meet new people as well. Okay, our next question comes from Papa. Yes. Um, so we have been grateful to be in spaces where people support RDI efforts, right? But the reality is there are not a lot of spaces where people kind of, maybe they're not all the way receptive, right? And so if you had a friend or maybe a coworker who isn't completely on board with an initiative surrounding the DEI area, how would you handle that? I think that um, we're all going to encounter some type of resistance in our lifetime, and that is okay, right? Everyone has the right to think what they uh, want to think and believe what they want to believe because we're all a collection of our past experiences. So we cannot really judge why people think the way they think. What we can do instead of trying to resist is maybe try to um, connect, maybe through dialogue, maybe through recommending a book or an experience. I went to this museum or I read this book or I heard this podcast and really not trying to force it upon anybody. 
because then that might even create more resistance. Just make it organically and kind of mention from time to time where you see that there's an opportunity. I think that if you have a good intent that will come across and hopefully people will start to kind of open their hearts and their minds to that possibility of learning more. But I don't think it's our job to change other people. People will be ready to change when they are. I think we just have to continue to live um, our journey authentically and hopefully others will join. Wow, that's really good. So don't be defensive or trying to force it, but rather give people an opportunity to experience something like that. Wow, that's really good. Thank you. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, our next question comes from Kyle. Hey, Alex, so you, you touched on this uh, briefly in one of your previous answers, but um, this is coming from the perspective of a, of a white male. What would you do if you were a leader who you fully believe in the message and intent of DEI, but you're not really getting the full support from your uh, organization from the people who report to you. Um, would you, you know, should you leave that organization? Should you continue and try to influence in small ways? What's what's the best approach there? You know, Kyle, I think that we can all start by building a business case. If the DEI ideas that you have or initiatives or programming that you think are important to implement. Um, are ones that will impact the business. I think that there's always a business case where you could maybe try to influence leaders because it makes good business sense. So of course, we've talked about this, you know, diversity is not just a nice thing to do. It really makes good business sense. If you look at all the numbers and as we were just talking about data and metrics. So absolutely, you could always try to positively influence the process because it really at the end of the day will benefit the employees, it'll benefit the teams, the company, the guests, the customers, and the bottom line. So it's all connected. Um, I would start with that um, approach. And if you feel that you are in in an environment or a culture that is really not open and you cannot be your full self or um, you are not being given the opportunity to uh, explore, um, DI initiatives or other aspects that are important to you, I would always recommend for you to go out and find an organization where you are going to be able to fully be yourself, to thrive, to feel like you belong, because there, there are many organizations with amazing cultures. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. I hope, I mean, I hope that, you know, going forward, more organizations are, uh, being more open-minded with their workforce and, um, I think that's the direction we're heading, thankfully. So thank you. Definitely. I have a question sort of on the flip side of that from like the employee perspective. Um, So I know in your interview, you talked about sometimes when there's not at the seat of the table, especially if you are a woman, a person of color, LGBTQ, any of those kinds of things, you really have to work (laughs) to earn your spot or to create a space for yourself. Um, But what I'm curious about is how can you know when it's worth your energy to continue fighting for that spot versus when it's time to really move on and find some place that values you? I think it goes along with what we were just talking about with Kyle. You want to make sure that you give um, the organization or the space that you're in, that culture you're in, an opportunity to 
become more open and more inclusive, right? We're all working mm -hmm. towards this and everyone has a lot of work to do. So maybe by opening, sharing your feedback, sharing your thoughts, you might find that there could be a leader who would want to act as a sponsor, as an advocate and as a champion. Mm -hmm. and they might be able to help you open some opportunities where you get to express and to share those ideas. Um, I would start with communication, absolutely mm -hmm. sharing those. I know that many um, leaders are working towards being better at listening. We mentioned that in the podcast, yeah. but I think that if you reach out, people are willing to listen. And if you have uh, a good points that might benefit the team, might benefit the organization. I, I'm always hopeful that leaders will do the right thing and then organizations will do the right thing. Okay. That's, yeah. that's, that actually reminds me of something Dr. Bob taught me, which is it doesn't hurt to ask the worst they can do is say no. <laughs> is, that, is that Dr. Bob Prescott? Dr. Bob Prescott. <laughs> oh, yes. Love. Yes. Dr. Bob is so right. My mom says that too. It's like the, what the worst I can say is no, but at least you asked and you know that mm -hmm. you put yourself out there being vulnerable and you might be surprised at the answers that you receive. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Okay. Our next question comes from Papa. Yes. So, Alex, in the past 25 years, DEI has just kind of become an expectation, um, especially at large multinational corporations, especially after a lot of the social movements uh, of like after summer 2020. Right. And so where do you see DEI going in the future? So both in general, but um, as a career for others to consider. Um, do you think DEI will eventually become something that even smaller companies need to pay attention to? That's a great question, Papa, because um, after this summer of 2020, which we like to refer as the kind of the great awakening period, the losses of life that we had, Ahmaud Aubrey, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, it really opened our eyes to the importance of making sure that we um, as a human kind family group of, of people were more aware and in tune with everyone's experiences. We are a one world, one global community. And through these um, instances, we found that we have to come together and diversity, equity, inclusion came to the forefront. Some of the larger companies, as you mentioned, Papa, have been doing DI programming efforts initiatives for many years, but now it's really obvious that it's something that every organization should be looking at. We need to come together and learn from each other. We're working together. We need to be inclusive, um, bring different types of people. As you come together to ideate, to produce, to offer a service, to offer a product, the more diverse ideas and perspectives you have around the table, the better chances you are of going to get it right in the end. So I think that DI is only gonna to continue to be more important. I always think that this practice should not be viewed as the job of one department. It should be everyone's job. It's not the job of a department. It should be ingrained and instilled in the entire culture. So everyone's DI is everyone's job. So of course, everyone has full-time roles and everyone's very busy 
but I think that we can take small steps individually to kind of work towards really being good advocates, allies, and, and open where we feel psychologically safe to open up and be our whole selves at work, to bring that authentic identity, which in the end will help you become more engaged and really feel good about sharing your ideas and being a better employee and hopefully positively impacting what you do every day. Yeah, perfect. I love um, your note about authenticity. And I remember in the, in the podcast, you were saying how, you know, it's easy to tell um, who's being authentic from like a company standpoint and admin standpoint. And, and also uh, if there's space enough for the individual employees um, to be authentic in their own selves. And so yeah. I appreciate you for the answer. Of course. It's always, and when you mention that, Papa, it makes me think about Companies can only be more authentic if they continue to ask their employees what they think. So I'll give mm -hmm. you a quick example. We're creating something in the DI space, um, a toolkit, and our team created this. Lots of work and energy and passion went around it. Well, now we're opening it to our research groups and having these sessions, these kind of focus feedback sessions, going through this product, this toolkit, and asking them, each and every group, what do you think? How does that resonate? How does that feel for you as a whatever fill in the blank, whoever you are as a human being and you read this and you see this, what are we getting right? What are we getting wrong? What should we change? What should we add or take out? Because it would be such a big loss to not leverage the authentic perspectives of your, of your employees mm -hmm. uh, for something that it really should be everyone's work. And by everyone's work, I mean everyone's insights and perspectives should be included. Yes. You're listening to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5 Rollins College. Our guest is Alex Manrique, and we'll continue our conversation with her in just a moment. Stay with us. Hi, my name is Brandon Anderson, an Early Advantage MBA student here at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. My time during undergraduate was a complete immersive experience. When I was searching for the next opportunity after graduation, an MBA at Crummer was the best option for me. Crummer has helped me to gain the aptitude and grow as a leader, which have both been essential in reaching my potential. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu. Welcome back to the Crummer Hour. I'm your host, Clara Mount. Our guest is Crummer alum, Alex Manrique, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Universal Parks and Resorts, and President on the Alumni Board of the Crummer Graduate School of Business. And with us, we have our panel of Crummer students and alumni with more questions about Alex's career. All right, Alex. I have a game for you to play. <laughs> we are gonna play Crummer Insider Free Association. So what's gonna happen is I'm just going to give you a series of prompts and ask you to say the first thing that comes into your head and it's all gonna be about Crummer. Are you ready to play? Sure. <laughs> this sounds fun, I'm scared. I'm not good at games, so yeah, but yes, I'm ready. No, this one's easy, I promise, okay. I promise. Okay. <laughs> all right, so I started my Crummer education in the year. 2005. I finished classes and graduated in the year 2007 on time. <laughs> My cohort name and number was it was at that time. I'm going to age myself. It was Saturday MBA. That does not exist anymore. Saturday <laughs> MBA 02, which is now considered the um, 
I, it used to be the corporate and now is the executive program. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, that's cool to hear the history of that a little bit. <laughs> um, there were this many students in my cohort. I want to say around 56. Wow. Uh, my cohort was known for being diverse. Good. I love that. Uh, for our international study, we went to Prague, but I did not go. So oh, no. sad. I know. So sad, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. My favorite course was anything Dr. Bob <laughs> and Dr. G, Dr. Gassenheimer. Ooh, I love okay. marketing. And so her courses, I almost did a marketing concentration. I think I was one class short of it. Anything mm -hmm. Dr. G and Dr. Prescott uh, taught. Love that. My favorite professor was? Oh, so many. Because I already mentioned Dr. G and Dr. Bob. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Dr. Whittingham. Ooh, he made me feel like a statistics um, guru when yes. I wasn't. He made <laughs> oh it so God. easy. And it's all about the professor. I give him all the credit. He was so amazing. Oh, my God. I felt the same way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and during my time at Crummer, my greatest time management lesson was? Oh, all of it. That's, I think, <laughs> where I really learned how to time manage because I was working full time, um, doing all these classes. It was a Saturday program, so we were in class from 8 in the morning until 5 p.m. And wow. I dedicated my Sundays to study and my evenings to study. Thankfully, I did not have... Uh, children yet I you know I love having my family but I don't know how my colleagues my uh, fellow classmates who had children did it I actually had <laughs> one of our of our um, classmates she was expecting her baby during the oh, during wow. the uh, program and she had her baby maybe a week or two before graduation so she had a brand new uh, oh, baby my gosh during graduation like two weeks old it was amazing oh wow oh wow that's so impressive <laughs> all right well you, you won the game you finished yay Congrats. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> see that wasn't so bad was it <laughs> no it was so much fun i love it good all right so our next question is about your backstory and it comes from papa Yes, Alex, you mentioned in your Kramer Connections interview that culture shock um, can be a common thing for anybody entering a new environment. So can you tell us more about the culture shock you felt? I definitely felt that I'm from Ghana, so moving to America was a whole a whole lot of experiences. Um, <laughs> but as someone for from Colombia, um, what do you think most Americans would be surprised by um, if they went to live in Colombia too? I know that was a lot of questions. Yes, so many great so. questions. I'm like, where do I even start? <laughs> I'm very excited because, yes, uh, you know, this culture change, I don't even want to call it a shock. I know that's the term, but it's kind of this culture change. It's this culture um, exposure was really great in my life. I think it just helped me grow as a person. I think when you move to a different culture, in a different country as an adult you have absorbed and learned everything for so many years from learning culture and then you move to a different one and you really try to right now um i have lived basically half of my life in one country and the other half in another so i feel very kind of in the am i colombian 
Am I North American? I am both, right? My heart mm -hmm. is actually so big and open. I have, I'm very grateful that I've lived the experiences growing up in Colombia. It's a beautiful country. So to your question, Papa, if people move to Colombia, they would have a beautiful experience. Colombia is uh, so full and rich with culture. The music is amazing. The food is the best. Mm -hmm. I love the food. That's one of the things I miss the most. Um, the art, the history, there's just so much culture. It is a beautiful country, the nature, um, there's so much diversity in the nature. So if you go, not even move there, but I encourage you to go visit. But moving here is something that I think made me grow as a person and really open my, my mind. Because even though I knew the language, I learned about a new culture. I came here in, on vacation on, on occasions. And so I, I had that perspective as, as a tourist, as a guest. Um, but it is something where you have to get used to being kind of a part of both worlds. And you just have to take the best of what you have. So I'm always very fortunate that I, you know, I know Spanish, I know Portuguese because of my husband. So I'm fluent in both Spanish and Portuguese. Oh, wow. But I know English and I think a language is kind of a window to a new world. Wow, that's good. Not not one or the other, but both. That's really good. But both, yes. Yeah, that was a beautiful answer. Um, so I, I have a question about service, right? That's supposed to be the theme of this season. So in your interview, I was really struck because you said that service, um, you know, we're all in this together and how that became really real in the pandemic. And I'm really curious to kind of, I want to dig into that. Like, what does we're all in this together look like to you? You know, that we're all in this together became so real during um, the pandemic, because regardless of who you were, your socioeconomic uh, status, what country you were in, uh, how many siblings you had, what the color of your skin was, what language you spoke, you were affected and you were impacted by this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that's when we realized, oh, wow, you know, these borders and limits at countries, uh, that is all truly invisible. All yeah. those blurs, lines, I'm sorry, all those lines were blurred because we were all in it together. It affected everyone and mm -hmm. we all needed to come together to move forward. So yeah, it was very sure. interesting. I know um, nobody expected it, right? We heard that there was some type of virus in Asia. And the next thing you know, a couple of weeks later, we're all leaving our workplaces or our schools or whatever environment you were in to go be at home for two weeks. So I remember grabbing my laptop and my planner and a couple of things. Okay, we'll be back in two weeks. And my kids did as well. They were getting ready for spring break. Um, mm -hmm. They grabbed some of their items or backpacks, but left basically everything. And who would have known? Fast forward um, a couple of months and they never went back. And then a couple mm -hmm. of a year and a half and some were still at home. Uh, yeah. virtually learning. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really real. I love what you said about, you know, those lines that divide people, the virus doesn't care about that. The virus does not discriminate. Mm -hmm. All right. Our next question is about your personal and professional development. And it comes from Papa. 
Yeah, so um, my question, uh, in the interview, you said that listening is the most important thing that leaders can do to make their employees feel valued. Um, what else? What else can leaders do to create a culture where employees know that they're valued? So many great things that we can do. And it's just putting a little bit of effort and awareness. You can become a sponsor or a champion for mm -hmm. someone, helping them open doors and being included in conversations, um, really finding out about them, who they are as people, learning from them. So of course, as, as comfortable as you feel opening up and being vulnerable, it's important because we're working together and we are human beings. So the people that you're working with, you know, what are their hobbies? What are their interests? What's their passion? Um, what keeps them up at night? What's happening in their lives, right? Everyone is going through their journey. And I've always found that when people open up, I, I really enjoy talking with people and they'll open up about something really important in their lives. And I am very grateful for that because not everybody opens and we're going through so much that when somebody opens with something important to them, I feel like they have shared something very special that I, I treasure. So that's something that I keep as, as part of that um, relationship. So opening up, being vulnerable. Um, what else can we do? We, of course, can make sure that we help them grow professionally mm -hmm. and personally. What are their interests? How did they want to grow their career? Where do they see themselves in three, five, seven years? And as a leader, what what opportunities can we offer for them? What shadowing opportunities could they participate in to continue to grow their career? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of concrete takeaways. That's awesome. You're good. <laughs> All right. So unfortunately, we do have to bring our Q&A to a close. So we're on our very last question. And I always like to end by asking, what would you like to say to the Kremer community that's listening today? Oh, that's a big question. How much time do we have left? <laughs> as much time as you want. <laughs> um. I just think that we should really enjoy and be grateful for being a part of the Crummer community. You know, there are so many communities that we could be a part of, but the Crummer community has been so special for so many. I think if you really are open to engaging, being a part of the alumni boards, being a part of the different um, centers for excellence and different schools within the, the college and the um, Crummer School of Business, connecting to alumni, attending the events. You know, once you go through the programs, you are a part of this family and we wanna make sure that you feel that and you come back. And however that is, right? You might, some might want to volunteer, some might want to attend the virtual sessions. Um, hopefully when we're back in person again, enjoying some alumni weekend events, learning, continuing to audit, is just such a great benefit and perk in our lives to be a permanent member of this family. So I just wanna keep that in mind that that's kind of a huge family that you are a part of and make sure that you stay connected. I love that. It's so well said. I hope everyone takes that to heart. And with that, I want to say, Alex, thank you so much for joining us here on the Crummer Hour. Thank you all. This was so much fun. I loved it. Can't wait to hear all the other uh, podcasts and interviews. I learned so much from other people through what you all do. So thank you for what you do each and every day. Thank you so much. 
And I'd also like to thank our panel representing the Crummer Graduate School of Business, Kyle Sawyer and Papa Koji. Thank you so much for being here as well. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Alex. This was great. Thank you all. Thank yes, you. Absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Today's show is brought to you by the Kremer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now's a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Kremer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business. Experience excellence. The Crummer Hour is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, please follow us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show was created by J.B. Adams, executive produced by Gerard Mitchell, and hosted by Clara Mount. Our showrunner is Kyle Sawyer with production assistance by Rachel O'Brien and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley and Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.